couple years ago, I co-founded uh, the nonprofit called Kids Read to Kids. Our goal is, is to bring the joy and confidence back to the struggling reader. There are so many different cases of dyslexia and so many just different things that work for you, things that don't. People are different, like different learners. And so just like find what works for you, work on that. And also make sure you find your passion. I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor, and administrator, and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia and our life seemed to turn upside down for a while, quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to help you navigate the upside down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Dyslexia Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Holcomb. Thank you so much for listening. I know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts, and the fact that you chose to listen in means the world to me. So thanks again for being here. Today on the podcast, I'm introducing Dyslexic Voices, all about thriving with dyslexia and success stories. You are going to love these. And I'm so excited and honored to start this very first one with Jacob Blumenstein. Today, Jacob is going to share his personal story about dyslexia with us. He's also going to share how at the age of 15, he and his siblings had the idea to start a nonprofit, Kids Read to Kids, all to benefit students and children with dyslexia. So, You are going to love Jacob, and I am so honored to have him start off our Dyslexic Voices. All right. I've already introduced the audience a little bit to you this morning, Jacob, and they know a little bit about you, but we are so excited to have you on the show today. And so I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. But before we do that, I think I read somewhere that you're a Harry Potter fan. I am. Yeah, I am. So our family, I have to admit, we're a little bit of Potterheads. Uh, <laughs> daughter loves, loves, loves Harry Potter, and we watch it over and over again. <laughs> so is it too personal to ask you what house you belong to? No, not at all. Um, so I um, belong to the Gryffindor house. Us too, yay! <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, it's the best house, just saying. Um, a little bit biased. <laughs> I don't- Love that. So yes. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's actually really funny because I just um, actually finished the Harry Potter series, um, the books. I watched the movies growing up, but you know, um, I'm dyslexic. And so reading has always been a challenge for me. And um, something that I was actually really proud of myself for doing is kind of working through those like long seven books. And so um, I actually just finished the last one maybe a year and a half ago. And so it was there- phenomenal. <laughs> and so I, we've listened to a lot of them through audio, uh, through, you know, obviously, but it's uh, because it is a challenge. To, it, it's just, it's really long, but it's amazing when you get through the books and you're able to really look at what the movies look like. And then right. my daughter to, uh, loves to watch movie flame. And so they talk a lot about the back pieces about things that you don't know. Uh-huh. And so that's really cool too. So when I saw that somewhere, when I was doing some research, I was like, wow, that's, that's be a way we can connect too. So we <laughs> yeah. Big Harry well, Potter. 
So I definitely uh, think the um, the books are better than the movies, but the movies did such a good job in kind of like bringing the whole you know idea to life. It was it it was really really great. It's, it's really amazing. All right, so for those people that don't know you yet, can you introduce yourself and then share about your your story? Yeah, of course. So my name is Jacob Blumenstein. Um, a little bit about me is a couple years ago, I co-founded uh, the nonprofit called Kids Read to Kids. And so basically what our goal is, is to bring the joy and confidence back to the struggling reader. When I was growing up, I didn't know I was dyslexic. And I didn't understand what that meant, what that was, and neither did my teachers. So growing up, all of the joy associated with reading just wasn't there and it was just filled with dread. I remember I would raise my hand to go to the bathroom every time my teacher would almost call on me to uh, read aloud in class. And, you know, kind of as a consequence of that, I had no self-esteem and I had no confidence in myself. My teachers kind of agreed with that and they thought, I was stupid and lazy. And I mean, as one does, I kind of believed what my teachers were telling me. And then I found out I was dyslexic and my mom moved me to a new school with better resources and I was given so much support. And I worked extremely hard. I was, I, I kind of joke about the fact that I was unlucky to um, kind of make friends with some of the smartest people in my grade because I was already behind in my class. And then my class, like my friends were like, like complaining about their like A minus or like B plus or something while they're in like advanced classes. And, um, but I was really, really lucky because that just inspired me to work even harder to catch up to their level. And with that, a combination of that um, encouragement and the resources that I was given, I kind of overcame some of the challenges associated with dyslexia. And I got some of my confidence back. And I realized something really important was how it was how lucky I was to be given all of those things and how many people out there don't have that. So that's why we created Kids Read to Kids to not only help kids with the beginning stages of reading and to help kids learn to read, but also to give them confidence and kind of be a safe place, kind of send out the message that, hey, you are not alone. You're not the only one who struggles and we are here for you. I think that's an amazing message too. I mean, I'm just, when I was looking over your website and your videos, it, it's, it really is just really, I mean, I thought, well, that makes sense why someone would do that. But I also think it's so unique that you've done that together as a family with your siblings. And so tell me a little bit about that, that backstory. What does that look like? Who's kind of in charge of what? And what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. So as, as um, most people know, living in uh, a family can sometimes be chaotic and living in a family of seven people can be kind of crazy, (laughs) but it's really, really amazing that we all kind of work together and we're here for each other and really everyone works a little bit on everything. But to kind of like classify more about like what we do. So I'm more in charge of like the kind of the executive, the business and big ideas and moving in like the direction of the company. My sister is works on like a lot of like day-to-day organization. So my sister Alana, she also works on 
the copy and the writing, and she's working really hard on a magazine that we're working on publishing. And anytime we have an interview or a script or anything that honestly has to do with writing, that is her territory. She is a creative writing major, and she is phenomenal at it. My little brother, Ruben Blumenstein, he is, he does all the graphics. He does like all, all of like, um, he did our logo and just, he helps out with the design and things like just working on like anything that's like digital graphics, things like that. My older brother, Benjamin Blumenstein, he helps out, he's getting his degree in an educational field. And um, he helps out with kind of working on making sure what we are producing is up to certain standards. So not parents and teachers can use it with confidence. And then my younger sister, Julia, she works on taking pictures and, and working on like photography for the site. And then of course, for me, I work on video editing and I, I put together the website and technology, things like that is, uh, that's, that's part of my specialty as well. So it's just, there's so many parts to the company and, you know, we all have to work together. I know my mom works tirelessly with communications and things like that. And my father also helps out with uh, certain legal things. Like when we were putting together our 501c3 application, he helps so much with that. He is, uh, he created a business himself. So he, we're so lucky to have kind of like his guide, his guide. And also my mom has worked in the consulting field um, and just like all, all throughout business. And so we're so lucky to have her as well. So there's so many parts to the company and we all kind of work together to kind of uh, make it afloat. And I love that because everybody's able to bring their own strengths to the table, right? Yeah. And they're able to get stuck somewhere you make and go to someone else to say, okay, I got stuck here. And it's also great because you have such a network within your family to even brainstorm ideas. And I can imagine being a fly on the wall. I'm sure it's very, very creative and very exciting and very challenging, I'm sure as well. But it's great that you have such a, a I'm almost jealous because it's just me, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that you're able to have, you know, and that just makes that deeper family bond, but it also gives y'all an opportunity to to shine where your strengths are. And so yeah, that's yeah, it's it, it is really great. All right, I mean, so how old were you when you first started Kids Read to Kids? Yeah, um, so this started like about three years ago. So it was the summer of 2017. So I was like 15 years old. Okay, had you always been interested in business? Yeah. I've always yeah. wanted to do something in business. I just didn't really know what it was. Yeah. So I know for us at our house, like, I know it's going to be a busy day. My daughter's nine. She's going into fourth grade. When we wake up and she's like, I have a great idea. Because that usually means either she's thinking about creating some kind of business today. And when I mean a business, she's like, can we get a website? Can we get like, how can we get materials? And I'm like, okay. So way outside of my my my, my wheelhouse. But it's fun because... I love that even as young as she is, she has so many ideas. And so I can just see, and I don't know if that's part of the dyslexia. I feel like it is because I've talked to so many parents yeah. that other kids are that there's just, but then at night it's hard because she has trouble going to sleep because she has all these thoughts going on, right? It's so hard to turn those off. Can you relate to that? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the, the like biggest positives of having dyslexia is that creativity factor. And I'm so lucky, like in my, in my house, that's always been valued and kind of, my mom has never been shy of telling us that we can't do something. When I was in middle school, I wanted to 
like I, I, I was talking to my mom about like how I wish that there were these glasses that could like tell you what someone's name was so you didn't have to remember it because that's always something that I struggle with as dyslexic as a dyslexic and so she was like she like responded to that and she said okay then make it and of course I mean as a middle schooler like I mean I got straight to work and I was like working on trying to figure out how to do it then I realized I can't I'm not an engineer and I can't code (laughs) but it was more just the principle of you know not being shy to make something and foster that love of creativity and, and just kind of work on whatever is in your mind. And although um, I struggle with like other things that many dyslexics struggle with as well, I'm so lucky to have that creativity factor as well. Right. And speaking of creativity, I also noticed that you have written a song called all I know. And I listened and I had everybody, my, my my daughter was like, she's nine. I was like, Hey, come over. You gotta hear this. And (laughs) listen to it. It was great. So where can people hear your song there? Where should we direct our listeners to to listen to it? Cause I, I loved it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I actually, um, I put all my stuff on like Spotify and Apple music. So I put it under the name Jacob Aaron. Um, Aaron's my middle name. And I thought it kind of sounded a little more like artisty than Jacob Blumenstein <laughs> as that is a very long last name, but yeah, you can check that out there. And how do you spell Aaron? Uh, A-A-R-O-N. And I'll also put a, a note in the show notes so people can find yeah, you. I don't, I don't know if you um, know this, but basically all I know was written kind of as a, a song about my dyslexia and kind of like. Tell us a little bit about it. Tell us a little bit. You came about making the song and, and that would be, that's very interesting. I'd love to know more about that as well. Yeah. Um, so this was around the time uh, I was in seventh grade, I believe. And it was when I just listened to like my first Green Day song. And Green Day is just this pop punk, um, punk rock um, um, artist. And I just, I like literally immediately fell in love with their music. I just thought it was so cool. And it was just like, I was, um, I kind of had a little bit of a history and kind of just like playing around with music and writing songs. My family had like this, like, just like stupid, like little like family band where we just like sang random songs and just like hung out together. And it was just like a lot of fun. Then after I heard Green Day, all their songs, I wanted to take my struggles with dyslexia and kind of put that into a song. Songwriting has always been something that's kind of been a little bit therapeutic for me because I could take kind of like how everything I was feeling inside and kind of release it somehow. And so basically it just kind of like, it's just kind of like about just like little things about if I was like looking at the whiteboard in school and I would like look down and immediately look back up and all of a sudden there was like 12 more things that I've missed or just like just little things about how I struggled with dyslexia and I kind of just put all that in in my song all I know yeah it's it's great I really enjoyed it (laughs) thank you everybody will go listen so let's talk a little bit more I wanted to also highlight a piece of kids read to kids especially I don't know about you, but I live in Atlanta and in Georgia, schools still look very different here. Like everybody's kind of doing something different, which yeah. is exciting and kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Some are, you know, learning from home again. Some are, you know, more of a hybrid model, go to school a few days, stay home a few days. Some are 100% back to face-to-face in-class right. instruction. 
So it looks a lot different. But one of the things that I noticed on um, on your on your site and on what y'all provide as well is I noticed that last year, you know, y'all stepped up and responded to some things and actually provided some lesson plans to go along with your book. So could you share a little bit about that and what what families could find there? Yeah, yeah, of course. So it, it, this is actually kind of a crazy story because this was a couple months ago, and um, basically, it turned from my older sister, Alana, she was in college. Um, she's um, currently enrolled at Oberlin College as a creative writing major. And then me, I'm, I, I was a high school senior at just like going to school every day. And then in literally 24 hours, I was told, I can't go back to school and we have to go and pick up my sister from college. And it wow. was just like, it was just that sudden change. And we realized that everyone was feeling that too. Teachers weren't prepared to go online and students weren't prepared to go online and and parents didn't know what to do with their kids, how they could help. And so we immediately stepped up to create this lesson plan where we took one of our books, Peter Pan, read by um, our reader, Stephen Satan, who I just want to say is just a phenomenal reader. He's so great. He makes me feel like, I'm like in the book. I love how, how, how he reads it. And so that's particularly why we chose that book. And we, we wrote creative writing prompts, listening comprehension questions. We created a vocabulary builder and we put fun games like word searches and crosswords. And, and, and those were in every single chapter. So kids could listen to a, a chapter and then fill out the um, associated lesson plan with it to kind of teach kids to visualize the story, remember certain things, learn more vocab, and just kind of like have fun doing it. And so we spent literally 72 hours straight just working on that and kind of getting that out there. And it was just this whole thing where we didn't even, we barely even slept. We were just like constantly working on it. And then we released that out. So teachers could then use it and and work on that for having like a digital education. And then parents could also use it to kind of keep their kid busy as well. And we received a very positive feedback from that, which I was really pleased. One teacher actually like started putting it in their Google Slides. And it was just really great to see that kind of like turn out, turn out well. Well, and I have to say, I mean, that's amazing because as the world literally was trying to respond to 24 hours of, of now being at home, and I can talk from the perspective of having two working parents in the home and trying to balance everything, that when I saw that piece, I was very impressed with that because, I mean, you could have sat back and said, oh, goodness, what are we going to do now? But you looked at it as a positive spin as to what can we do to give back? And yeah. I think that also sets you know, sets you and your family apart from others is that you're looking to continue to serve even through, you know, for, for your company, you know, you've decided to make that a nonprofit company. And so tell me a little bit about that decision. Was that always the decision to think that we want to do something that's nonprofit? Is that something that's near and dear to, to your family? Could you share a little bit about that decision? Yeah, yeah, of course. First, I just, uh, to add on to what I was just saying, I just wanted to say, we are almost done with our second lesson plan for Anne of Green Gables. And I just wanted to say that kind of threat awareness about that as well, because we're very excited about that. That has been a lot of fun to make. So let me ask you a quick question. So are there only certain ones that have lesson plans yeah. or are 
are you working out for all of them to eventually have them or kind of what's your goal? Let's, I guess let's talk about that first. Right. And then we can move on to the nonprofit part. So basically my goal, I think that we're taking it one book at a time. It's definitely a tremendous amount of work. It's really our, like, we really want to, we think that it's really great to have like all of our videos on there and kids can listen one book at a time. And in terms of the lesson plan, we want to have a certain number of lesson plans out there. We're not entirely sure how much it is, how much that number will be, just because of how much work that it goes into making it. And uh, we're working, we're constantly working on so many other projects as well. And obviously, because we're a nonprofit, we have to be very, very diligent with how we spend our time. Sure, sure. And I love too that you've divided those up, the the videos up to chapters. And so it's very, um, I don't know, digestible is the right word, but for a student, it doesn't seem overwhelming, right? They can do right. a chapter and then it's also easy for the parent to be like, what, where did we stop? I mean, they know, okay, we're in chapter right. 10. So yeah. Very logical too. And then I love the idea that you're trying to create things around those chapters as well. And I love, I meant to tell you too, I love the idea of the creative writing piece. Although, you know, at our home, that's a struggle, but I have found that she does a lot of what is audio to text, speech to text. Mm -hmm. So she'll a lot of times will, you know, will read what she wants typed. And so she likes to do writing as well. So I love that you're also, you know, thinking outside the box as to instead of just a lesson plan, it's also about how to build vocabulary. And it's also about tapping into those advantages and those gifts uh, and those strengths to say, okay, so where do you take this? Like, what is some creative writing? You know, you said you've done some prompts with that. And I'm sure with your sister's background in creative writing, I'm sure that they, that they are amazing. And so, but you're right. I mean, as a, as a business owner and you're looking, how can I best serve, you know, looking at what, where is the uh, best place to serve as it relates to those lesson plans. And you're right. It, it probably also gave y'all a whole new appreci- appreciation for teachers and how difficult it is to come <laughs> up very challenging and very, you know, thoughtful uh, assignments as well. So yeah, it's not something you can throw together easily and you have to yeah. be very, very methodical about how that looks and then continue to grow, you know? And so I understand if there's certain ones y'all are going to be highlighting, but I still think that's very exciting and it gives a, a whole nother layer to, um, to the business as well. Right. Yeah. We actually didn't even know um, if we were going to do more than one lesson plan, but people, so many people were requesting another one particularly Anna Green Gables. And that's why we kind of immediately started working on that next one. And we thought it was so important to kind of like target more than one angle of learning. So that's why we have, you know, the creative writing prompts, we have the vocabulary and we have the analysis questions. Right. I think people will be interested. I mean, obviously you and your family made a decision and if it's, if it's kind of a private personal thing, that's fine too. But I'm just wondering, you know, especially for students that, well, for children that are very, um, creative and might want to start their own business, you know, and, and think through those pieces, what made or what decisions or thoughts did you have as you thought about, should this be a nonprofit business? Or maybe that's the way you always have planned it to give back to the community, to the dyslexic community. But I'm just curious, even for, uh, for families that may have children that are very entrepreneurial or very interested in starting their own businesses, maybe this would also be some information mm-hmm. they could Yeah, no, of course. I think that's a great question. So we always wanted it to be a nonprofit because that's, we really just, this was kind of a passion project um, created to give back to the dyslexia community and to just kind of help others in need. That's why all of our, all of our resources 
on our website are free. Anyone, as long as you have internet connection, can use it. It doesn't matter where you are, where you're located, even if you're not inside this country. Um, we're currently in, um, I, I believe it's over 80 countries that people are using us in. And so we wanted, um, we really wanted every, everything on our website to be free so it can help whoever wants to use it. And so that is kind of, that's really the process behind why we created the nonprofit and why we chose to be a um, nonprofit. Um, in terms of like advice, if anyone wanted to create a family business or if anyone, any kid wanted to create a business, it honestly, I think the most important thing is not even about if it's a nonprofit, if it's a for-profit, it's really about just kind of one taking that like first step and believing in yourself. A lot of people think that they have to, even adults do believe that they have to like quit their jobs or kind of go on it full time. And that's not necessarily true. You can kind of work on it and just kind of like think that kind of work on how you want to take part in that. And then two is that the, like what I've learned about having a nonprofit and having a business is that you definitely need as much help as you can get. This is not something that you can do on your own. I've, I've been so lucky to be surrounded by people who have helped me in so many different ways and who've helped um, Kids Read to Kids in just ways beyond. I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah, and I would think, too, a, an important piece would be just your why. I mean, why are you starting right. whatever you're starting and, and, and who are you hoping to serve? And so I think if you, you know, you obviously have that in mind when you started Kids Read to Kids and what you were hoping for that passion project you said, what what you were hoping for. And it sounds like it's, it's provided a lot more than you probably even thought. And so it's really amazing. Another piece I wanted to ask you about, if I can, is I see that you're very active as well in the larger dyslexia community. And I believe if I read correctly, that you're the founding president of the international, this is going to be a mouthful, international (laughs) associations Youth Advocate Program. That is so impressive. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's actually a really funny story um, of how that happened. So I think it was maybe a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago, I applied to um, for the International Dyslexia Association Remy Johnson Award. And so that award is basically someone who doesn't let their dyslexia kind of hinder them. And I thought that that was something that was kind of really important to me is that I, I obviously I'm very, very like proud of my dyslexia and I don't want to see it as something that kind of, kind of like, uh, I see it as something that like, it definitely has certain negatives, but it has so many positives that help me. And um, I don't want those negatives to kind of like define who I am, if that makes sense. And so that's why I kind of applied for the Remy Johnson Award. And what happened was I, um, a bunch of people from the International Sexy Association were reading my application, one of uh, which was um, uh, Sonja Banks, um, who's the CEO of the International Sexy Association. And basically, she, I, um, it was just like one day, years, like it was a year later, I kind of almost like forgot about it. Like I knew it was coming out, but it's been, it was so long that I, I, I didn't quite remember. And um, I got a phone call and it was Sonja Banks. And I was kind of confused because I was like, why? Why is the CEO of the IDA calling me? And so I picked it up and she was like, Jacob, I just wanted to let you know, you did not win the Remy Johnson Award. You came um, as the runner up. 
And I was like, I was like, uh, um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't, and I, I like at the time I was like, I'm kind of confused. Like, why, why are you telling me this? And it turns out that she liked my application so much that she wanted so badly to kind of like give me this opportunity to create um, a youth advocate program. And so when she told me, I was like freaking out over the phone. And I was like, this sounds so awesome and I'm so excited to do it. So it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions, but um, I, it's just been a, a, a great time. And um, I'm just looking forward to all the things that we can accomplish. That's amazing. Is there a particular age when you talk about the youth advocates or a particular age that y'all are working with as far as students and children or? Is yeah, it all- so it's like, I believe it is teenagers and young adults. Um, so it's like people who are like, they're like a, a little bit older teens and then also younger, like college age. That's exciting work. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. So I want to ask you two final questions and hopefully these will these will make sense to you, but I think they will. So as we think about, you know, again, the world just looks different and, you know, to some degrees it's challenging, but to, to, to other places, when you think about it, it's really, it's really exciting because there's a lot of changes happening quickly around us. Uh, a lot of adults are, are being, you know, forced into being more flexible and adaptable with the world around us. Mm-hmm. And it just looks, you know, our, our, some people say new normal. Some people say, you know, the next future, like what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to parents who are raising children with dyslexia? Okay, yeah. Something that's really important, I think, is that it's important to realize that your child, um, we use the metaphor, your child is running a marathon every day. And it might not look like it, but they are. So it's really important to just encourage them and kind of um, like, like show that you are there. That was something that really, really helped me personally, is that even though my teachers didn't really believe in me, my mom always did. And she always kind of, she, she just was always so supportive. And she was always, I always knew that she had my back. And so in my, um, I'm actually currently working with the National Center on Improving Literacy to work on a presentation about child advocacy. And part of that is kind of, we're talking about how empowerment and understanding are the first steps of kind of overcoming some of the challenges of dyslexia. Because once you understand what your dyslexia is, then you can learn to work with it. You can learn to fight for certain things. You can learn why you need accommodations and you can learn all the positives of dyslexia. And once you're empowered to do so, I mean, I, I think that you're kind of unstoppable at that point. And so then uh, I think once kind of once, once you get past those empowerment and understanding steps, you can start working on all the, there's so many different like tricks and, and resources and online and assistive uh, technology that you can work with kind of help your child. So I know that that was just kind of a ramble and I apologize for that, <laughs> but I just think that the most important thing that uh, a parent can do is just kind of help their child become empowered and always give tons of encouragement. And I love what you said too at the beginning, that that presence piece is that really just sometimes they just need you to listen, right? And just to be there and, you know, encourage and, you know, there's going to be, you know, even like you said on the marathon, I mean, people that run marathons, 
they don't just get up one day and decide to run a marathon. Right. I mean, it's the, it's a training, it's, you know, good days and bad days. It's running in the rain, it's running in the heat. I mean, it just looks so different. And I think that, you know, the best thing we can do, like you were saying, I just, I love the thought of, you know, just learn and embrace and support. And, you know, that's any, anything, that's the one thing any of us can do with any of our children. But I think it's so important to, you know, I think some people sometimes look at it as, you know, I don't like to think of it as a disability. You know, I read a book not too long ago where the guy said it's more of an identity. It's just who I am. And so I love the thought of, you know, thinking about dyslexia from a different perspective, because it is amazing that the brain works different and and it's amazing works. And so I love the thought of really embracing that. And I think for some, it takes a minute, right? It's a little roller coaster at first. So, so I love that that you gave. Yeah. And then also find what you're passionate about. I have seen so many success stories where um, kids focus on what they're passionate about and it's okay. Um, Something we also say is like, you don't choose, like, you don't, you don't choose a scientist like based on how well they know the civil war. There's just like, or, or your doctor doesn't necessarily have to know or like, like just there's, there's certain subjects that aren't as important in certain fields. And so when you find what you're passionate about, you're, it's so much easier to learn that because you're excited to learn it. Well, that was going to question, which was what advice would you give to students with dyslexia? But it sounds like you're answering that. So you jumped, you read my mind. So I love that. So tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, what, what, what are some other pieces that you have found that be helpful that, that, that moms can share with their kids as far as, you know, that, that piece and some advice, um, you've already given some great examples, but if you can think of anything else. We're, yeah. We're- um, for, for kids, you know, I, I, it's very important to be your own advocate because you know you best. And so that's why it's so important to understand why you need certain accommodations, how they help and how important it is that they know that accommodations aren't there to give you an unfair advantage. They are there to level the playing field. And even when the accommodations are there, the playing field isn't even fully level. And so a lot of kids sometimes feel shame that they have extended time because kids who don't have learning disabilities don't fully understand. And they're like, like this has happened to me where they're like, you're so lucky that you have extended time. It's not luck. You're not lucky. This is something that is trying to level the playing field. And that's also something that's so important to learn. And just when you understand your accommodations, you can fight for them even like even more. Another thing that I wanted to say is that it's going to be hard. This is not going to be easy. And there are so many things um, in school that it's just going to be so much harder. I know for me, I had certain, like, I thought I was terrible at math um, because I had math, uh, these things called the math minute. Basically, what they would do is they would give you a sheet and you would have to answer as many questions as you can in a minute. And when the timer ran out, I finished writing my name. (laughs) So like, I thought that that was just basically a reflection of how smart I was, but it's so important to know that that's not true. That's not true at all. There are going to be so many things that are so much harder for you, but there are also going to be so many things that, that are gifts as well. And that's something that we were talking about earlier was that creativity and kind of, they're just like, I believe that in terms of dyslexia, every mind is different. And I, there are so many different cases of dyslexia and so many just different 
um, what like things that work for you, things that don't, people are different, like different learners. And so just like find what works for you, work on that. And also make sure you find your passion. That's great. Before I let you go, can you share with us uh, how we can follow uh, the work for Kids Read to Kids, where the listeners can go and find more information? Yeah, of course. Right now, we have a couple of different social media uh, platforms that we use. So we are um, active on Facebook and Instagram and obviously YouTube. So on Facebook, you can get us at Kids Read to Kids. And also on Facebook, we have something called the Kids Read to Kids Book Club. And that is something there where um, anyone can kind of go in and kind of, it's just a community of like-minded individuals who are just kind of there for each other. And it's kind of also there to kind of be a little bit of a support system. We have librarians and teachers, so you can always ask a question or you can just kind of share what you're reading. And so that is also something that you can check out on Facebook. On Instagram, we're at Kids Read the Kids as well. Uh, and that's something that we're posting to. Um, so we'll always share um, whenever we have a new product or something new uh, on all of those social media platforms. Um, and then, of course, our, all of our videos are hosted on YouTube. So on YouTube, we're at Kids Read the Kids. And you can also find all of those books on our website, kidsreadthekids.com. Awesome. And I'll also put all that in the show notes too. So anyone can go there and get all the links quickly and easily. I have a quick question though about the book club. Is it geared to more, uh, more toward parents or towards students or both? Uh, both, honestly. We don't want there to kind of be a limit on anything. In fact, even with Kids Read the Kids, we've had so many adults use our videos as well who are, who are adult dyslexics. Um, and we've even had kids who aren't even dyslexic at all. You know, so we're, we really want our product and and our resource to kind of be used by anyone who needs it. And so that's kind of the same philosophy with Kids Read to Kids Book Club. You know, there are parents, there are kids, there are librarians, there are teachers. So it's really open to anyone. That's awesome. Amazing. Well, thanks again, Jacob. It's been great getting to know you today and talking to you. And we appreciate that you were able to take a few minutes out of your day to be part of our show. Yeah, it was was really, really great to be here. Thank you for listening today. If you are enjoying the podcast, please share with other parents who may be asking you about dyslexia and how to learn more information. And also, if you would, take just a few minutes to give us a review where you listen to your podcast. It would really mean a lot, and it would also help other moms find our show. So thanks so much. You got this. Go enjoy your week. Mm -hmm.